Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Stock the Fuck Up. I am here today with Billy Kipperstock. Did I get that right, Billy? You did. Awesome. Before I actually get into it, guys, I want to um, let you guys know 100% that Billy and I are not financial advisors or lawyers, and we're not really telling you guys what to do with your money, but we are here to just kind of educate, have a little chat, and uh, we appreciate all of your follows and your buzz um, as Stock the Fuck Up has been growing. Yeah, Billy's here with us to talk a little bit about uh, investment analysis, and um, he actually is an investment analyst and writer for a pretty global company that is based in the U.S. A little bit of my research shows that there are three types of uh, investment analyses. There's a fundamental analysis, technical, and sentimental analysis. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with them. I've actually never heard of the third category. Um, I'm very familiar with fundamental and technical analysis. Um, but as you say, sentimental analysis, that makes sense to me. Right, um, right. So yeah, I, I heard of those three. And um, I typically work more in the fundamental analysis, but I think all three are valid approaches to understanding how markets work and how to be a good investor. Yeah. I mean, um, what's really interesting is I got uh, a lot of this research from Forbes as well as NerdWallet, which are two of my favorite references. This is probably the most in-depth conversation that we're going to be having. We've We've gone over everything from investment terms, top investing apps, security software, and just really where to start. So now we're just talking about the analysis aspect. And let's go over that term. Sentimental analysis, according to Forbes magazine, it attempts to measure the market in terms of attitude of investors. Sentimental analysis starts from the assumption that the majority of the investors are wrong. In other words, that the stock market has potential to disappoint when masses of investors believe in prices, um, which are headed in a particular direction. It's pretty self-explanatory with the word sentimental, it's just, but it is the analysis to kind of prove that the majority of the investors are wrong. What do you do? You have anything to comment about that, Billy? Yeah, totally. I think sentiment, as it comes to markets, is an extremely important parameter. Understanding investor sentiment um, is hugely important to me in my process um, and deciding, you know, what makes a good investment. I think when we talk about sentiment, there's two. Uh, poles. On one end of the spectrum, we have fear. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have greed. And typically, uh, investors tend to oscillate between these two sides of uh, the pole of of sentiment. Um, And it's very normal for people like humans. We are emotional uh, creatures. You know, we tend to overreact to things. um, And especially when it's something that's so public and so many people are involved, there's kind of this mass like herding effect where mm-hmm. people tend to follow other people and it starts to kind of uh, be- become like a ball rolling downhill. So very often we tend to see these cycles in markets, you know, boom and bust cycles mm-hmm. where uh, things are going well, you know, everybody tends to pile into the market and we start to see prices rise and that's going to be more on the greed end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, when things are starting to break down and prices are, are going in the in the negative direction, um, that tends to, you know, be people pile in in that way, and there's a lot of fear. So yeah, definitely, no, markets 100%. have to move up and down and, and oscillate between fear and greed. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned two key words that we've actually been um, going over through the episodes: um, fear and greed. Uh, especially fear. We literally, I think, our second episode was literally called "Fear of Investing" and uh, targeted towards the millennial. Uh, generation 
and how we have uh, survived through a few crashes, how we um, are actually one of the, and I don't know if you knew this, Billy, but we're actually one of the generations that is most likely to have cash stowed away, like a cartoon character yeah. <laughs> from the 50s. So we are the, even though we're not running away, we're not serial killers, we have stashes of cash and we're the generation that is most unlikely to trust a bank at an earlier age mm. as opposed to Generation X. Um I shared an anecdote. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, it was a really interesting statistic. I shared an anecdote um, on that episode, actually, and and I was like, yeah, guys, I had I had like five thousand dollars in an ottoman once, and uh, when mm-hmm. I was younger, that was before the that was before the salary job and the four hundred one k, and I learned what that was, and I went forward, and but I, it, it's it's a really interesting and in how the the fear aspect applies to millennials, um, and I think. Another close, like, like another correlation is the social media. So millennials kind of helped develop social media. Um, mm-hmm. And now the sentimental analysis, I think, applies to that. That's kind of what you were referring to when the masses are, you know, telling you to to pump. And, and eventually it kind of ends in a pump and dump sometimes and people end up losing lots of money. But it's really interesting how you said the masses can really uh, influence people. So not only are millennials the ones that are most afraid of it, but they're creating these platforms in which then people who aren't afraid can just go and and create a community and create a buzz and get you to invest so that they can, you know, have an exit plan and and, and get out of there and get some cash. So um, mm-hmm. sentimental analysis, I think, is the one that is most relevant to our listeners. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think millennials, like you say, are very social media savvy. And that's a, a very easy way to tap into what's happening sentimentally. Um, although I will say, you know, we have to be careful as it comes to social media because there is this sort of effect of um, the echo chamber, right? Mm. Where it depends on who it is that you're following, who are your friends. And, and we have a tendency to kind of end up in, a, in an environment in social media that just reflects our own beliefs, which can actually be a pretty dangerous place to be if we're trying to understand markets, right? If we think that what we're seeing is representative of the entire market, but it's actually just representative of our own interests and people that think like us, then that can give us the wrong idea. I think that's a really important thing. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, especially with our news feeds being essentially our digital homes nowadays where, you know, our news feeds, we pop them open in any platform and it's really just um, like an accumulation of our interest. Um, Right. So let's go to the other side of the spectrum. Out of the three types of analyses, what about fundamental analysis and how possible is it for the common retail investor to really learn some of these techniques to really make some smart decisions? Yeah, sure. So fundamental analysis, um, as I said, is the type of analysis that I tend to do the most in my practice. This is the type of analysis that you're going to see you know, from banks or Wall Street analysts. Um, typically, they, they tend to do more of the fundamental. You also see some technical um, as well. But fundamental analysis is taking a look at a business, looking at their uh, public filings, and understanding their um, financial numbers, right? Things like their revenue, um, their profit, their margins, um, and seeing how these things trend over time, and then trying to make projections about what a certain business might do moving forward. And we can use what a business has done in the past to make those projections moving forward. And then based on those forward projections, we can calculate uh, a value, a valuation for a stock. And then we can compare the valuation that we uh, are creating based on our projection to the current price. 
And if we see that there's a difference between our valuation and the current price, then that might be an opportunity for investment, or it might mean that that's the type of stock that we want to avoid if the price is uh, different than our valuation in, in the overpriced direction. Now, when you um, say, um, so Billy, then, let me stop you right there. When you say over time, you know, a lot of these apps and a lot of this power that we have in our hand, in our smartphones, are, you know, they, they give us the ability to see a company's charts from everything from the week to the month to the five years. So what, you know, can you navigate us a little bit? Because personally, I like to look at the five years. Stock the fuck up, fuck up.